All right, we are live. Welcome once again to another Trigger Proof Transmission. I'm really excited to be talking about this topic today. Uh, we're talking about some spicy, dicey things. Talking about trauma bonds, talking about codependency, narcissism. And as always, these conversations are sp spurred on from the conversations that come up in our Cycle Breakers Collective and Portal communities. And before I begin some housekeeping, uh, my neighbor upstairs, my window's open, and they've got a little cute little French bulldog who just seems to be losing her shit right now. So if you're hearing uh, some barking happening, my apologies. It's a little distracting, but I'm going to do my best to be as focused as possible about on this conversation because it's a pretty important one. And those of you who are listening in on Clubhouse Live, uh, welcome. Those of you who are on Facebook Live in my Trigger Proof community, welcome. And if you're watching uh, on YouTube on replay, welcome as well. And if you're on my podcast, my Trigger Proof Transmissions podcast on Spotify, welcome as well. I wanted to introduce myself if you've never, it's your first time meeting me. My name is Dr. Nima Romani. I'm a retired chiropractic chiropractor turned interpersonal trauma specialist who focuses on uh, the, a top-down and a bottom-up approach to healing trauma so that we can break free from trauma bonds. I help people break free from trauma-bonded relationships, codependency, narcissistic cycles, uh, so that they can create secure love that feels safe, uh, that feels safe to feel safe, um, uh, because this is a... a, a a very um, overlooked thing in in the health field, in the psych in psych psychology, big gaping holes in psychiatry and psychology because they really can't seem to figure it out. They say that trauma bonds are literally impossible to heal. Codependency is impossible to heal. Maybe you've done CODA, uh, you've tried therapy. You know, a lot of the students that uh, work with us say that they are just so fed up because they've tried. Um, therapy, they've tried counseling, they've tried everything, but they keep, seem to keep repeating these cycles and they don't understand why. And uh, there's a good reason why I discovered that too. I mean, I found myself stuck in a trauma bonded situation for four years and it just felt like I couldn't get out. And uh, the police had to be involved. I mean, we all have a wake up call and this is a very serious conversation because people die at the hands of trauma bonds. People commit suicide. We had a friend just recently this year after a divorce and another kind of trauma bonded relationship after the divorce. It wasn't the divorce that was the problem. It was the trauma bonded relationship after the divorce that became a massive issue. And there was, you know, public humiliation and shame. And so he, you know, he really couldn't handle and cope and he ended his own life. And, you know, this is on the heels of the whole Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. And as watching it, it was really uncomfortable for me because I was seeing myself as many of you were watching and observing and seeing parts of yourself in it, whether you were drawn to it like a magnet or you were repulsed by it, you were actually repulsed or drawn to your own story. And this is the insidious nature of trauma and, and attachment and our shadows. And love is really complicated. And we all want relationships that feel safe and secure. 
um, and you could be the most intelligent, um, very uh, like uh, successful uh, entrepreneur, CEO, CEO of a company and just be kind of like a boss babe when it comes to um, your work. But then all of a sudden at in love, you feel like, you know, it's common to feel like a complete idiot, like a complete failure, completely losing all the power that you have in work. Let me know if this resonates with you. That you are a leader in the workplace, you're successful in most areas of your life. This, this is the people that generally kind of migrate to my content and really reach out and want to work with me and uh, to help them because I, I was in that situation too. Very intelligent. I'm educated. My doctorate in chiropractic, very successful chiropractic career. Went through a divorce in, 19, in 2011 and a series of like nine failed relationships going, why am I constantly in this situation? And it wasn't until my wake up call with my last trombonded, uh, my ex, my, uh, my former partner, uh, that had me really look and see what, you know, what is it with, with me? What is it within this dynamic that keeps calling in this same cycle? You know, there's something, you know, there's a common denominator here. So the people that become cycle breakers are the ones that are kind of beyond the whole victimhood narrative and they don't want to blame this conversation. I really want to start off by saying this is not about blaming. One of the biggest um, criticisms that I get, uh, attacks actually in my DMs and my inbox, is people thinking that I'm victim blaming. How dare you blame victims and I'm an empath and I'm a Buddhist and I'm a spiritual person and they were a narcissist and how, you know, and so I just, I really wanted to, to kind of answer that and to help people, uh, based on just sharing my own story and what we do in our cycle breakers community is help people break free from these trauma bonds in 90 days, sometimes in, in as quickly as 90 days. And it depends on everybody. It depends on your work ethic. It depends on how committed you are. It depends on how deep the trauma is. Everybody's different. It's like weight loss. You know, nobody's, it's not linear. It's very messy healing our traumas. Uh, but, our, our lives depend on it. And if we don't really get this right, it just passes on unconsciously to the next generation. And if you don't believe me, just look back at how you were modeled relationships. You know, chances are if you're listening to this, if you're in my universe and you're listening to this transmission, it's because you are at the effect of a codependency growing up, your mother and father, uh, there was some sort of a trauma-bonded codependency type of thing going on. And so today I wanted to talk about some excuses that I was telling myself that kept me staying a little longer than I would have had I done my healing work, had I actually healed my attachment wounds and had I integrated my shadows and learned how to regulate my autonomic nervous system and deal with my the flashbacks that would come up in trauma-bonded relationships. It's complicated. It, it's a skill to have successful, healthy relationships. It's not intuitive. Don't expect yourself to know if you've never really invested the time and the energy in learning the way you would a university course. Uh, but I remember, you know, in that moment after 
my last relationship with my former partner really became volatile. I sat there and I looked in a mirror and I said, how the fuck did I get here? How did I become, how did it become so abusive with the two of us? We were both so abusive with one another. I got violent. You know, it's never happened in my life. Um, it had happened with her several times. It was kind of like a dynamic. Um, and I was looking in the mirror and I was like, how did it happen? Number one, number two, how can I make sure that it never happens again? And number three, if I can do number one and two and really have uh, measurable, demonstrable, unrecognizable transformation that I can actually vis physically see and the, my loved ones, my friends, my family can actually bear witness. It's not fake. It's not phony that I'm actually living it. Then number three, I want to help change the world with it. And so because of that, the Facebook community Trigger Proof was born. It was around COVID time that I just started doing these transmissions. And then now it's got over 10,000 people. So if you're not already uh, a member of the Trigger Proof community, please join in, ask a question. You never know, I might even just do a, a transmission just to answer your question. Uh, essentially, um, to heal from this trauma bond, I had to really go back in time and understand the nature of how trauma bonds happen. And in order to understand how trauma bonds happen, we have to go back in history and look at our childhood so like, let's do a rewind, like hit that rewind button. And what happens is, is when a child is born to parents who are at the effect of their unresolved wounds, um, the child doesn't uh, receive emotional attunement, doesn't get their emotional needs met. You might get your meals taken care of, you, you know, food on the table, uh, shelter, but a child in order to, to develop, the nervous system to develop in a healthy way, must not have to feel that they have to work for love. You know, if you've ever had the experience where you felt like you had to perform or work or put on a show or be something that you're not in order to be lovable, in order to be loved, in order to have approval, you have the makings of a trauma-bonded relationship. Let me explain it a little bit. So a child is born to a parent who is at the effect of their own wounding, whether, whether it's like severe, like fundamentalist religious upbringing or there was physical abuse. The child then experiences that they, who they are, cannot rest in the safety of parents, of mom and dad's love. Because of their own relationship challenges, because of conflict that isn't resolved, the child does not receive what's called emotional attunement. Oftentimes there's a codependency within a relationship with mom and dad. In my case, I kind of had to feel like I was the... Um, the, the therapist between them, right? And so there was a narcissistic father, a codependent mother, who also kind of had narcissistic tendencies, and not because they're bad people, but because they were at the effect of their trauma. I mean, narcissism, codependency, borderline, all the cr cluster B personality, what they call disorders, are actually trauma responses. So I wanna change the language and the stigma attached to mental illnesses and personality disorders because this way more number one it's there's a spectrum and it's way more common than we think and they're all just trauma responses so parents who are at the effect of their trauma responses don't have the a capability or the capacity to have
have the child feel seen and heard. So the child feels this immense anger and rage towards not feeling loved for who they are. But the child doesn't feel safe in expressing that to a parent because that is going to, you know, lose attachment. Child is not going to do that. So the child takes that anger and rage and turns it inward. And this is one solution to this experience of not feeling seen. So they turn, take that anger and rage and turn it inward. They don't start stop loving mom and dad. They, they don't hate mom and dad at the time. We, what we do is, as children, we hate ourselves. And this is what the insidious nature of complex post-traumatic stress responses. I don't call them disorders. They're just responses. They're normal responses to these unhealthy environments with unconscious parents. So the parent then, so the child then feels, I'm not lovable for who I am. So who do I have to be in order to be lovable? Well, solution number one is codependency. Or if we go even further down the spectrum, borderline personality. Uh, disorder slash response, I call it response. <clears throat> and in that case, there's this paralyzing fear of abandonment. So we take on kind of like an identity of whoever it is that we need to be in order to be lovable. So we wear masks, we perform, we become fixers, we become pleasers. And this is the makings of codependency. So that is one of the solutions of the trauma of a child of not feeling seen. Solution number one. Now, solution number two is this child not feeling seen or not having the right or the capacity or the, the, the kind of allowance to emerge and, and individuate which is to be their own person. Well, you can't want that. Your desires, your preferences, your values are not, are not uh, allowed. So that, that rage then turns to another solution, creating a grandiose, false, grandiose self of I'm, I'm, I'm amazing, I'm going to be powerful, I'm going to be all-knowing and all-wise and all, you know, grandiosity. And that is called narcissism. That narcissism is a solution, is another solution to the same wound. Now check this out. We have the codependent and the narcissist are both solutions to a traumatic childhood. And what happens, what's interesting about this whole thing is that nobody comes together by accident. None of your relationships happen by accident. They actually happen uh, with, with the unconscious. It's kind of like your unconscious drive to complete what was incomplete in childhood. So as you go through life with these wounds, these attachment wounds deep in your body, sometimes before you even had the language to describe it, you then get into partnerships and relationships. We then, we then get into partnerships and relationships with people who perfectly match our wounding. So if you've ever had the experience of, you know, love at first sight, um, uh, the sparks are flying, this instant chemistry, oh my God, I feel like I've known you all my life. There's something so familiar about this person that's just kind of like fatal type of attraction. It's because you guys have kind of 
uh, mirrored woundings. That's the makings of a trauma bond. <laughs> quite, quite literally, soulmates. They're soulmates. You know, so the narcissist then sees something within the codependent um, behavior that helps them complete what was incomplete. And what'll happen is in the first phase of this highly dopamine, sexually charged kind of experience, the, the narcissist part will, will love bomb and say, you're amazing. You're like the most beautiful thing. And so this, all of a sudden, this codependent who feels completely insignificant, who feels uh, unlovable, uh, unseen, unheard, now gets to experience self-love through the gaze of another <laughs> so when people say, oh my God, we just he just hooked me in and had me fall in love with him and he was a narcissist and oh, he love-bombed me. You're a victim to love-bombing. Those codependents that say, I'm a victim to love-bombing, uh, kind of take a pause because what's happened is it's not them that we fall in love with. It's the idealized version of ourselves. So it's the fact that you had somebody put you on a pedestal and for the first time you got to experience self-love, you know, and so that becomes highly addictive. And what happens is because the wounding is so similar uh, and to say that narcissists don't have empathy, you know, I'm an empath, he's the narcissist, I'm blameless, I'm innocent, I'm the empath, I'm the, I'm the codependent empath, I'm innocent, I'm... You know, they're the narcissist. Well, you know, there's a reason why to say that narcissists don't have empathy is wrong because how is it that they were able to tell you exactly what you needed to hear to let down your entire guard? Well, because they can read people, you know, because of the wounding. And so there's two parts, right? And here it is. The narcissist is a covert codependent. And the codependent is a covert narcissist. In other words, with the love bombing phase, what happens is that the narcissist turns you into a narcissist. It's not them that you fall in love with. It is the reflection of your amazingness. And so for the first time, you love yourself and that's where we become addicted. So <clears throat> the... The defense strategy for these dynamics, trauma-bonded dynamics, is self-love. The problem is if we were raised with complex trauma from parents that are unconscious, who they themselves don't have kind of a handle on their own reactivity, are abusive, are emotionally abusive, emotionally neglectful, addicts, uh, uh, you know, dealing with their own mental illnesses, the child then learns that they don't deserve to get their emotional needs met. So we start acting out these dynamics in our relationships. And this is exactly what happened with my former partner. In the first phase of our relationship, she completely, it was at a time where I was very vulnerable, where my confidence was at an all-time low. I have this methodology called the overview method, and I know that it helps people heal from past events. And she saw a video of mine, and she came and um, invited me to her cafe at the time. She was self-diagnosed as celiac, uh, never had a test, but she said, I can't eat gluten. And I just said, hey, I have this technique. 
and I can really help you with it. And so she invites me to her cafe. I take her through this methodology. Within an hour, she was able to eat banana bread and she was never able to do this before. And it was like, her mind was blown. And in that moment, she was like, oh my gosh, he's gonna rescue me. So here's the other kind of part of the codependent dynamic. Remember the word dependent, codependent. What do you think that that means? Her at a moment of weakness in her life was a transitional time. She was, you know, also was a madam in, in a, a former sex worker. She had a, she was running an online uh, business uh, with other uh, sex workers supporting them. She was a madame also having this uh, uh, gluten-free kind of cafe and she wanted out. She wanted out and she wanted something legitimate. The cafe was going down and boom, she sees me with this kind of coming, coming to uh, this place from my chiropractic practice where I was ready to leave. I was just ready to leave, but I didn't have the confidence in myself at the time. But I knew that uh, people uh, weren't getting healthy just with chiropractic alone if they had unresolved attachment wounds. So I really wanted to help people with that. I just didn't have the confidence to make the big leap. So I meet her and what happens is we then, she needed rescuing because of her situation, because of my lack of confidence and I was working with her, her her gluten sensitivity all of a sudden mysteriously faded and now she became my biggest fan, my biggest follower, my supporter. And she started putting on events and telling her story. And so, wow, all of a sudden she rescued me from a state of lack of confidence. And I rescued her from that old life that, she, that was kind of burning. That life was kind of burning and exhausting her. And here I was, healthcare provider, having these tools and this possibility. And so it was the perfect rescue operation. And so trauma bonds, please, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that if you look back in your history, not, from, not just from childhood, if you're following along, you'll notice that you and your partner, with, if you're in this codependent cycle, you started off as a co-rescuing operation. So what do we know about rescuers? Uh, what do we know if you've ever experienced, you know, being the damsel in distress or needing rescuing because you were lacking confidence like I was, that the rescuer in this drama triangle, we talk about this at the overview experience, I really help people kind of unpack their codependency and the, the, the toxic trauma bonded dynamics so that they can have secure relationships, what we discover in this drama triangle is that there's always a victim, a rescuer, and a villain, perpetrator. And what happens is it begins as a rescue operation and the rescuer always ends up getting frustrated because they're not, they're not getting appreciated. They're not, it's not working for them. So the, vil the victim who you're rescuing always ends up getting frustrated because you can't rescue someone. And then the victim 
always ends up turning then into the perpetrator. And then the rescuer then feels like the victim. And then the victim all of a sudden gets pissed off and then turns into the perpetrator. And perpetrating is also turning your back on someone and leaving. That's a form of perpetration. So this is the toxic, trauma-bonded, drama triangle that we all get into unconsciously because nobody gets together by accident. No, no two people connect just, just by chance. They're, they, like myself, are calling in the perfect soul as the soulmate to try to help us complete what was incomplete from our childhood dynamics. If we do the work. If we don't do the work, you've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. And I'm gonna explain to you the difference between doing the work versus the kind of the, the fake work that I was doing. I don't wanna call it fake work, but it just wasn't capturing it. And this is why people message me and I'm, I've done therapy, it's not working. And people say, this is the one thing that's worked for them, our, our trainings, because uh, it goes deeper than therapy is we have to, if you go to a therapist or a coach and you're talking or you're doing mindset work, about this drama triangle, about these trauma bonds, most of these woundings happened long before we had the language to describe it. So if we don't approach this from what we call a top-down and a bottom-up approach, top-down is, you know, the cognitive, CBT, talk therapy, Landmark, Martini, all of that great stuff that I love, Byron Katie, love her. But I had only been doing that. So I kept repeating these cycles, trying to demartini it or do the Byron Katie work on it. And it, I, we, we couldn't break free. I even tried anger management. We both did anger management. And still, I mean, it helped because we were conscious of it, but it didn't take away the stuck, stored survival stress that was in the body. That was not accessible to me and I had to wait for a wake-up call like many people do and what are the wake-up calls a health crisis you get diagnosed with an inflammatory bowel uh, Lyme disease um, 
what else do you get? Digestive disorders, um, immune, like immune, a lot of our students, they get thyroid issues. This is all unresolved rage and trauma and betrayal and heartbreak that we do not have the skills to actually express through our through our system so it gets stuck there and talking about it does not resolve it and so i had to go deeper and i went inside i went into my body and i learned how to autonomically regulate and there was no programs or therapies that could do it i had to actually piece it all together and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because this is exactly the pillars the five pillars of our cycle breakers portal that actually help people break free from these trauma bonds and create secure relationships sometimes sometimes leaving the situation that they're in having the courage to leave and sometimes by virtue of a rising tide lifts all boats and the changes that they make, their partner all of a sudden transforms and the relationship transforms. The family dynamic changes. Your parenting starts to improve. If we don't go deeper and kind of address all five pillars, which are mastering the autonomic nervous system and learning how to operate it and self-assess and, and regulate your nervous system. Number two, clearing all of our past resentments and regrets, the shames that we're holding on to, the, the resentments, the victimhood, the constant putting this, giving away our power to other people by constantly pointing fingers and blaming them, the narcissist, and it's all their fault. And just holding on to our victim story is kind of like walking around with rocks in our backpack going to doctors wanting, expecting to heal, but we just keep going back to therapists and oftentimes the therapist plays the rescuer role. So they un, often what we hear from our students is, I just go there and just keep repeating my victim story every week. You know, they just keep me stuck in my victimhood. And, and you know, whether, you're, whether you have challenges with your children or whether you have challenges with a past, many therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists aren't trauma-informed. They're great people, but they don't actually learn that, they don't learn how to empower you. Keeping you stuck in your narrative is a good way of keeping you a client for life, right? And so this is what, mo I'm just mirroring what most of our students say is, I'm just, just do breathing techniques and all this stuff. I'm still stuck in my victim story. To heal, we gotta go deeper than the story and we gotta go to the uh, perceptions and the, uh, the narrative that's happening in your nervous system and the stored survival stress that causes us to react and get triggered and have these emotional flashbacks and to learn how to connect with our emotions and to give space for emotions like shame, emotions like anger, emotions like guilt. Our intolerance of these emotions keep us stuck in codependency. And it just feels safer to just blame the other person because we're stuck and we've tried everything. And I'm here to tell you there's a new possibility. And that possibility is to take ownership for what we project in the other person and to, uh, to, to, to really see that, that the narcissist that we're pointing the finger to is a 
is that is in that situation because of parents that we're unable to see them. And if we keep pointing the finger, we're ignoring that there's three fingers pointing right back at us. And a lot of the students that we work with are just blown away when they're like, holy shit, I've been blaming him for being the narcissist. I've turned into the narcissistic, emotionally dead mother who was at the exact same cycle, relationship cycle as my, with, as my mom and dad. Wow, I'm now become the narcissistic mother to my kids because I'm just obsessed with the approval and what the other person, what my husband's doing and not doing or my partner's doing and not doing. By the way, this is, it goes both ways. It's not just men who are the narcissists and the women who are the um, codependent. It actually works both ways. And so covert narcissism is is oftentimes one of the side effects is of of the these traumas and so our our ability to heal is our uh, it comes from the ability to own what we're projecting in that other person that we're call, that we're blaming and labeling and this is a skill that very few people have that this is one of the uh, tenants of the overview method that I uh, kind of put together and it totally helped me break free from this trauma bond and I was able to find somebody who I never would have looked at and really gone all in with before I did the real deep inner work. See, if you haven't done your inner work, and when I'm talking about embodied work this, from a somatic perspective, healing with your shadows, the polyvagal theory, attachment theory, um, uh, nervous system regulation from a body-based perspective and getting out of your head and learning how to uh, kind of work with those emotional flashbacks and your insecure attachment patterns and really integrating them all and healing them all. Uh, what happens is we find a partner who's secure and stable and we're just like, ew, there's nothing interesting about that person. Let me find the chaotic wounded bird and rescue them so that I can feel needed because that is a replication of the trauma that I experienced in childhood. See, we're bonded to our traumas and it is incumbent upon us if we want to heal and break free from this cycle to, to do our own work, to stop pointing fingers and blaming others and to look inward, not to blame ourselves, uh, but to take responsibility. So taking responsibility does not mean taking the blame for everything because once you really, our cycle breakers are blown away within the two or three weeks of doing the work with us, they say, holy shit, there's no, really no one to blame. When you look at the generations of oppression, codependency, volatility, you know, it's just, you had no chance, you know? And so it really involves taking on the identity of becoming a cycle breaker. So I wanted to share some of the reasons or excuses that I was making. Oh, let me see if I can find a, a better, here we go. Um, my battery just went down. So, so I wanted to share, uh, some of the excuses that, uh, I was making that kept me stuck in, in a trauma bond for far longer. And I'm gonna go through uh, a few of them, a couple of them today and discuss them and see if you find yourself in any of them. And let's see, the first, the first one uh, basically is, 
couple of excuses that you'll make. I want you to see uh, if you can find yourself in these excuses, in this kind of these codependent kind of trauma bonded patterns that cause you to stay in these unhealthy dynamics. And that first excuse is easier to stay than to start over. If you find yourself saying, God, I really know this is unhealthy. If this was one of my friends and I was taking them out to coffee and they were um, telling me about the dynamic, I would easily tell them, get the hell out of there. Uh, but in my case, because <laughs> this is not a rational thing, it's happening in my nervous system. This is a an incomplete, um, I just see what I've been here. I just It's easier to stay. I don't want to have to go and start over with somebody else. Does that, re does that resonate with anybody? Let me know if this resonates with anybody. Uh, go ahead and write it in, in the chat box here or in the, in the comment section. I want to know if you can relate to me because that was exactly my story was, God, it's easier to stay than to start over. The second one is... Um, it's comfortable. There's comfort in the familiar. One of the dynamics that my ex and I would have, I'm just putting that in, one of the dynamics that my ex and I would have was when I asked for space, she just pushed harder and harder and harder. And I would say, please, I just need space. And she would push harder and harder and harder. Now, now looking back on it, after I've done my healing work and I continue to do that, there's no way I would stay engaged in a relationship with anybody who treated me that way. But why did I stay back then? Well, that's how my mom treated me. She didn't have any boundaries. She didn't understand any boundaries. She didn't respect when I asked for space. So I have it hardwired in my nervous system that that equates to love. So when, when she would get in my face and block the door when I'm trying to leave or go crazy when I would, you know, want to leave because of her fear of abandonment, I, I was like, oh, that's love. Does this resonate with you? Right, So these are two excuses you might be saying is that, you know what, it's familiar. You know, my dad was an alcoholic and he would come, you know, piss drunk and, and you know, become abusive. So that's just, that's just love. He loved me. Is any of this re resonating with you? So the invitation for you is to really break free from these trauma bonds to, to, it, it's not necessarily to leave your partner yet, <laughs> you know, like this is one of the biggest fears that people who have that kind of personality profile might go, I, I don't want to join, I don't want to do the work. Why? Well, because I, I'm not ready to leave them yet. It's kind of like an addiction. It's actually worse than an addiction. It's, a, it's a, um, like an identity. So let me put you at ease. Like obviously if you're not safe, get the hell out of there, right? But if you, you know, you're, you're not in a, in a position where your health is in danger, you don't have to leave, but it's important that you 
make a priority, your number one priority, as though this is your own child. You gotta in, like you gotta basically treat it as though this your child is in trouble and you're going all in with helping them heal. That's the only way. Otherwise, the experts will be right and there, it, this won't be healable. Right. Um, so, number one is nervous system regulation. Number two, which I kind of is. Uh, clearing and completing past resentments and regrets. And number three is learning how to dance with this dark passenger, this ego shadow kind of relationship where we have these blind spots, parts of us that we're really ashamed of, that we don't want to admit, that we're afraid of exposing. This is what stops people from doing the real work. It's just safer to go tell your story to a... Um, therapist but doing deep shadow work this is what i teach this is why people get really triggered and they cry when they watch my um, um content i get messages people saying oh my god i wanted to throw up when i was listening if you feel felt uncomfortable what that is is your shadow is actually called like f afraid of being exposed well you gotta learn how to dance with that fucker <laughs> you gotta learn how to dance with this dark passenger because we all have an ego that's trying to protect us from the wounded little child in our shadows but if we keep them at bay and we kind of suppress them and repress them, we then meet them in our partners. And even worse, we our children start acting them out. How many times have you noticed your child going, oh shit, they've adopted my behaviors. Guess what that is? That's your shadow that hasn't been integrated and it's displayed in your children, right? So whatever we repress, our children express. This is a big reason to become a cycle breaker because this is no fault of your own, just like it wasn't your parents' fault when you inherited it from them, not through genetics, but through energetics, right? That's a, that's a meme. It's not through genetics that you inherited, but it's in the family system energetics. It's a very spiritual thing, right? And you know that that's true. You know, you've seen it, you've observed it. So, uh, number number four basically is you gotta learn how to um, empathically communicate with those younger parts. We have these younger parts that we've disowned in our shadows. We gotta learn how to empathically communicate with them. And it sounds a lot easier than it is, but if you have had a lifetime of abuse, you have learned to protect yourself through self self hatred and your inner critic. And so trying to eliminate this inner critic is, it's not gonna work. You gotta learn how to change the conversation through empathic communication with, with self and then with others. And then the last part is commitment and community. It takes a commitment to break a trauma bond. It's like losing weight, like any addiction, and you can't do it alone. We definitely heal in community. So if this is resonating with you and, and you're really keen on breaking free from it, no pressure to leave, but just to upgrade yourself. Consider the possibility that this will be your wake-up call instead of waiting for the police, waiting for a diagnosis, waiting for, you know, suicidal ideation or something, you know, terrible happening. For those, uh, you know, if you're really keen, uh, my invitation is to send me a DM and let me know your backstory. And my invitation for you is to, to join us at the Overview Experience, which is coming up this Saturday. And 
uh, really learn how to break free from these trauma bonds, but doing it in a community container where other people are sharing, where you can see that you're not alone. And so that's the invitation for you. Send me, make sure you send me a DM uh, if you're really ready to upgrade yourself and treat yourself as though, you know, you're somebody important as though your your own child was in trouble because truthfully they are and this is why I do the work is because I have a 21 month old in the recording of this um, of this transmission and I don't want him to be raised un with unconscious parents that ha has him having to feel like he has to work for my love I want him to to to, to rest in my love not have to work for it. Hopefully that was relevant for you. I haven't read any of the uh, comments. Uh, hey, Rita, what's up, sister? Uh, yeah, you're the villain. Rita, big love to you. Uh, how does self-hatred protect you? Hey, John, great question. Um, my, yeah, Rita, good to see you, my dear. The villain, uh, yeah, how does self-hatred protect you? Well, if you had parents that were very rejecting, and you're being rejected constantly and uh, maybe abused verbally and attacked and you're scapegoated, for example. You know, you're the scapegoat of the family. All of the family problems that mom and dad don't want to deal with within themselves, the child then, you see all of your shadows in the child, now the child is the problem. That way I don't have to look at myself, right? And the child feels this deep sense of... Um, rejection. And so what does the child do? The child then responds by rejecting themselves, by beating themselves up and hating on themselves as a way of garnering sympathy from the caregivers. Does that make sense? So if I can reject myself, I can control the rejection so that, because that's, because, because it would be worse if mom and dad rejected me. So this is all stuff that I've learned, Rita, since you've uh, been part of our uh, uh, part of our journey. I mean, you've been there. You've you've been there from the the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is all new stuff that I have had to acquire to make sense of how I got into my last relationship, how I why I showed up the way that I did, and. Like number three, I said, if I can, how do I make sure it never happens again? How do I make sure that, um, uh, first of all, how did it happen? I explained it to you in this transmission. How do I make sure it never happens again? Well, by going through all of those pillars and mastering the nervous system and learning how to heal that past and learning this skill. It's a skill of relating to myself right? Self-trust is built. Presence is built. Understanding is built. Authenticity is built. Self-love is built on the other side of that. And if I can do one and two and then show demonstrable evidence that it actually worked, i.e., I now am in the most secure relationship I've ever been in. I'm a dad now, which I never thought was possible. I want to change the world with it, number three. And so the invitation is for those who are committed, coachable, are, are not interested in maintaining their victim story. I mean, nobody's denying that you went through challenging times, but this is really about a conversation of healing. So it's for people who are really serious about healing, not staying in that identity of, I'm the empath, they're the narcissist, I'm blameless, I'm innocent, I'm a Christian, I'm a Buddhist, they're evil, I'm good. 
You know, that's called a false dichotomy. It's not black and white. That's splitting. When we go into, go from pedestalization to an idealization to then all of a sudden devaluing and then discarding, that's a narcissistic defense strategy, splitting and playing the victim, which many people who are stuck in that victim identity who call themselves empaths and codependent, stuck in codependent, blaming the narcissist, they don't see the reflection. And I specialize now in helping people break free from these trauma bonds. Uh, so tr truthfully, it's not about the other person. It's about our nervous system pull towards the familiar, our addiction to re repeating and reenacting those, uh, those bonds to our trauma. The good news is it can be healed. The experts say it can't. I'm living proof and I love teaching people how to do the same. So if there's anyone who has a question, I'd love to invite anyone to come up and ask. Um, if not, um, make sure you join my Facebook community, Trigger Proof. And if you don't already, you haven't already um, figured out what your attachment style is, go ahead on my Instagram, at D-R-N-I-M-A, at Dr. Nima. The link is right there on my um, profile on Clubhouse. And fill out the attachment style quiz, find out what it is. There's a bunch of trainings afterwards there. And... Uh, send me a DM with your backstory and jump in. Let me know where, you know, what was relevant for you. Write it in the chat box. What was your biggest takeaway on Facebook? If you can write it in the chat box or in the comments below, what's your biggest takeaway? What landed for you? What resonated for you? And um, I really look forward to seeing you at the next perfect time. Oh, we got one person who has a question. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity to one person. All right, come on up. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned that you have a small child and that you want to raise him without the trauma yes. that you were raised with and that was foreseeable in your last relationship, right? Yes. Okay, so my children are adults. I have grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering about the trauma that... That you've that passed down. Raised. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a very common question. So you're wondering about it. What are you wondering about it? <laughs> What's your I'm, question I'm, specifically about it? Yes, I'm you wondering. have. It doesn't make you a bad mom. Right. This is what this happens. All of our cycle breakers, they, they, they're weeping when they start learning. And by the way, this is one of the things that'll prevent you from wanting to do the work because of the guilt and the shame of realizing, holy shit, I didn't realize that I did. But we have to have this conversation, Teresa. So the first thing I want to tell you is you're not a bad person. You're unconscious right? And no, it's not too late to break the cycle. Is your mom still alive, Teresa? Uh, she is. She has Alzheimer's. Okay. So. But imagine if your mom, how old are you right now? Do you mind me asking? No, I'm 67. Okay. So you're 67 years old. Imagine if your mother had a lucid moment, okay? And she did some sort of work and she had some, a, a, a magical kind of like uh, wand was, was waved. Her Alzheimer's cleared up just for like, you know, three or four months, just in time for her to really go deep with some healing. And then she came up to you, Teresa, and said, Teresa, I got something I want to share with you. There was a lot of stuff that I did because I wasn't aware. And I just wanted to sit and really 
and hold space and and hear what it was like for you. And that must have been really hard and share with me. You're 67. Would that not have a profound impact on your healing? Yes, it would. Right. So you're 67. You have kids and grandkids. It's not too late for you. (laughs) Okay. That's what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Was that helpful? It does, yeah. Okay. Uh So... People say this, oh my God, I fucked up. Is it too late? No, it's not. It's not too late. Today you begin. Today is day one. And the more you work at this, here's the other part of this, is that if you take this on and make it your business to heal those attachment wounds, not only do your kids and grandkids benefit, but your health actually benefits. There is a clear link between childhood, unresolved childhood wounding, childhood trauma, and cancer, and um, chronic illness like thyroid issues, hyperthyroidism, uh, 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 inflammatory bowel disorders, irritable bowel disorders, cancer, diabetes, like all of these chronic illness have one thing in common, is that they all have childhood attachment trauma that's unresolved in the system. So you're adding years to your life by taking this on. Okay, that's a helpful perspective. I appreciate it. Yeah, because, because people will come up to Risa and say, but I've done this as an excuse for them to not do the work. Is it too late? Because I have grown children now. No, do it now. Yeah. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats and you can actually completely break the cycle in your generations. And our last breathwork and badassery, we had three generations that were in the community, that were in the event. There was a daughter, a mother, and a granddaughter. The first time three generations were there because of the work of one of those generations. So you have a lot more power than you think you do, Teresa. Even though you're 67, it's not too late. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any Any other questions about that, or do you feel more complete about that? No, I, I feel like that was a very good perspective because uh, yeah. I was thinking more like, can I skip my work and, and like give them the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says is, is like, you know, this is a classic, especially when moms send their kids to psych- psychologists and psychotherapists. The parents who are very loving and well-meaning, unfortunately, are missing the boat because it's not about the kid in front of you. It's not about the child in front of you. It's about the kid inside of you. And when you don't skip the, and and I I say this knowing full well, because I've done this so many times and we've done um, um, Clubhouse, the majority of the people who come on stage, I'd say maybe 95% aren't really going to do the work. They say they will, but they just, you know, it's it's too painful to go in there and, and look, we'd rather just have the others do it. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, uh, judge you for it, Teresa, but this is a very common thing. Hey, let me just throw, let me just, uh, throw money at it and send my kids to a shrink. And quite frankly, if you have a much more profound impact, if you take on the healing work yourself and shift the entire dynamic, and you can break that line of trauma through your family, through the generations. That's what being a cycle breaker is all about. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Beautiful. I can see the, there was a, that was a very emotional um, experience. And so people get, you know, their, their questions answered, but 
just listening to this transmission alone without taking action is not going to change anything. You'll go, go on about your day, you have this feeling, and then tomorrow you go back to unconsciousness. So I believe that social media can be used to wake people up. And my commitment is every time I come and share, it's to wake you up from your kind of freeze response that of the trauma response of freeze and to take some sort of action and find a guide and a community that are going to help you break that cycle. Um, yeah. Any other questions? It says, Teresa, did, 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 Teresa, did you say you wanted to another question? We had, she just put her hand up again. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Did you want to go ahead and unmute yourself? You have another question, Teresa? No, I don't. That was a mistake. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no worries. Any other questions? I'm emotional just listening to her. Yeah. All right. Anybody else have any other questions? If not, reach out, send me a DM. Let me know what was relevant for you and go to my Instagram and grab that um Secure attachment quiz, find out what it is, and by all means, get your butt to the overview experience this weekend. It's six hours long. I take you through step-by-step step of where the trauma bond started and in your, the conflict that you're having with this person who's you know the villain in your story or you're the villain or whoever, and we kind of dismantle it. And uh, this is what I absolutely love doing, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you at the next perfect time.